I think we're technically ready. I see audio input from Costa Rica. I see audio input from Seattle microphone. Uh, my device is working. I'm presuming Dave's is working. But we're if we lose Dave's side of the conversation, that would not be tragic. This is a story Cut by Boston College. I don't believe it. Of power. Would you believe it? Politics. Personal foul. Targeting. And the fight for survival. Behold football. This is Dave calling from Costa Rica. And uh, Mark, the traditionally Portland-based podcaster, who's now in Seattle, in Ken's domicile, in uh, the coronavirus-ridden land of Seattle. Um, I might die on my before I. Well, I'll die after I get back. I'll catch it here and then come back. But I'm in Ken's house. Ken. And this is uh, Ken from Seattle. And Mark, I'll have you know that I do have a couple of baseball bats around the corner in case things get really ugly out there. Do you have Lysol wipes, though? We need to, we need to wipe this whole area down. Yeah. No, I don't. I just, I, I don't even have any Clorox. So we're, we're going to have to I'm going to bathe in bleach. I'm just happy that okay. I'm and not it, in Seattle right now. It's, like, <laughs> it's a good place to be hiding out from the virus in Central America. Nobody come visit. You should be happy about it. You're in the correct San Jose. It's becoming a bummer up here. Yeah, I can imagine. But soccer must go on, or football. Where did you send the topics, Dave, to? uh, To the footy thread. um, It should be at the... There you go. Oh, okay. Sounders, failure, Chelsea last doings, U.S. women in the She Believes Cup. Yeah, that's what it's called. (laughs) <laughs> Impact of coronavirus on world football can start something. Okay, those are all good. <laughs> this would be striking out in a new direction to not start in a European land, which may be good. Well, since I feel like we we talked a lot, or we have talked about uh, the Sounders possibly taking a trip to Costa Rica, so why don't I start out by noting that sadly... The Sounders will not be coming to Costa Rica. Not only that, the Sounders won't be going anywhere for the Champions League because they were bounced in the first round. They were the only, I think there were four MLS teams in the first round of the Champions, the CONCACAF Champions League. Sounders were the only MLS team that did not advance Everyone expected they would they would win because they were at home and they entered the game in a tied situation. So all they needed to do was win by one goal or even a tie would have sent them through at 0-0 or 1-1 because they had two away goals. Instead, they tied 2-2. Honduras scored a late goal in the 85th minute. And then because of that, you know, they had identical 2-2 ties in both legs. So they were tied on away goals as well. And they went straight into penalty kicks. And Honduras didn't miss a single penalty kick. I should say Olympia, because that was the name of the team from Honduras. And the Sounders missed two of their kicks. And, uh, you know, I was very interested in the whole CONCACAF Champions League because uh, there were two teams from Costa Rica involved. And one of them was playing in the opposite uh, little mini bracket from Seattle against Montreal. And if uh, Saprissa 
this is the the club from Costa Rica. They're traditionally the top team in Costa Rica. And if they had managed to beat Montreal and the Sounders had what everyone assumed they would beat this team from Honduras, then they would have uh, played each other in Costa Rica in March. But you were you were a Saprissa fan just to see them advance and play Seattle to then be trounced by Seattle in your mind. Right, right. So I had to be a temporary Saprissa fan. Normally, Saprissa is kind of the enemy. Can you remind, what's your club's name? Liga Deportiva Alauense, or La Liga, as everyone likes to call it. But uh, La Liga never seems to win the domestic league, or they haven't in the last eight years. <laughs> La Liga, okay, yes. So Saprissa is the Yankees, and they were the ones, okay. But Saprissa actually failed very narrowly, did not beat uh, Montreal, lost on away goals, uh, tied 0-0 in Montreal, but they had tied in, in Costa Rica as well. And lost. so the away goals rule came back to bite Saprissa. So in the end, no, I was just more interested in seeing the Sounders come play down here and, and maybe some Sounders fans and get together. And yeah, it would have been fun. And to be honest, you know, forget the Costa Rica angle. The Sounders had aspirations. They thought they could win this Champions League thing. And uh, obviously they failed miserably. And we just hope that won't be a sign of bad things to come. Uh, did you guys have any any thoughts to add to that? Is Olympia a good team? Were they Was that an ex- unexpected result? Yeah, it was unexpected because they're from Honduras. And, you know, they, uh, you know, <laughs> well, I mean. How dare you? You're... You know what? I, you know what? I, I, I suppose it just shows that probably they everyone just took it for granted that the defending MLS Cup champions could beat a team from Honduras who they'd never won. <laughs> they'd never won in the uh, um, uh, you know a uh, round of the Champions League before. This was a first. So it's not like they were this team that had done well in the past. Or you know, LAFC had to play a team from uh, the Mexican League that, you know, was actually pretty good. And LAFC would not, it would not have been surprising if they had lost. In fact, they were down 2 nothing going into their second leg. And they made a miraculous comeback in the second half and scored three goals and won. Uh, but, uh, you know, so, so in that sense, yeah, the Sounders supposed to be had the easier draw and uh, should, have, should have won. And, and that, it, was, it was kind of a shock. You know, and listening to the... Um... The Sounders talk on the radio. It was there was an awful lot of you know kind of disappointment about the results of that, even leading into the MLS. And to me, the MLS was oh that's the thing. But there was a definite uh, disappointment from Schmetzer and and company about the results of that. Right, partly because they they have this aspiration that they want to be you know a club that's a factor in the world, and so you have to maybe be you know show it on a bigger stage than the MLS Cup or the MLS regular season. You know, I was just listening to an MLS podcast where they were joking about the MLS experiences when your team gets a bigger reaction when you're traveling somewhere than when you're actually at home. And it is true. If you're a soccer fan down here, you've, you've heard of the Sounders. 
they want to get that reputation going and and that would have helped to be you know going further in this champions league and sounders have never done well in it in the past either and uh, also we were talking about the fact that because uh, they had played jordan morris on thursday in the champions league you know that's their pretty much their their top scorer now uh well raul rui diaz the peruvian and then jordan but they 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 sat Jordan in the first half against uh, Chi- against the Chicago Fire on last Sunday's MLS opener, and uh, Mark Mark made that comment, and it was because he had played in the Champions League on Thursday, and then uh, sure enough, they didn't score in the first half. They brought Morris on at halftime, and he scored twice, and basically just bailed them out completely in that MLS opener. I listened to the end of the Sounders match when they when they tied it and then won in uh, extra time. That was pretty exciting to listen to as a, as a hope opener, as a good one. Yeah, and, and, and I'm glad we got that in before coronavirus panic hit because it sounds like Seattle in general right now is, is just kind of a little bit weirded out by things. So they're going to play a home game tomorrow night in CenturyLink Field there in Seattle. And, you know, maybe like half the normal number of fans are going to go or something. Probably like, like Ken was saying, well, the, you know, the weather's not good and it's early in the season and it's not a, a rival or anything. It'll be interesting to see if that has any impact on the crowd and um, but like Mark said is is true in Italy they're playing games to empty stadiums that won't happen in England I haven't heard anything about England yet but who knows yeah we can transition to the uh, the England top I don't think it's it's not nearly as much of a problem there but um, give it time and you'll see they're capable of panicking like anybody else in England. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's entirely possible that they do the same thing Italy did. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Chelsea keeps playing cup games and, and you now it's, it's been, it's been pretty eventful, Mark. What is your take on uh, Chelsea's current form? I mean, they, they beat Liverpool to nothing in the, in the FA cup. And, you know, there's, when I listen to podcasts, they say, oh, the FA Cup is not what it used to be, blah, blah, blah. But it's certainly, uh, it's always nice to get a win over what some people think is like one of the top teams in the world, if not the best team in the world this year. Yeah, Liverpool on a record pace in the league um, hit some bumps. But uh, FA Cup is the, we I think we sometimes refer to some of the cups as the lesser cup. FA Cup would not be the lesser cup. The Carabao League Cup is the lesser cup. And Man City won that, yeah, just last weekend on Sunday over Aston Villa. Um, So although Liverpool and big clubs will always treat all the cups, all the domestic cups as lesser than the league and the domestic league and uh, European cups, those are definitely the priority. Um, but Chelsea is uh, <laughs> just totally tumultuous, up and down. They could have made ground against, could have made up some ground against Leicester City, who's had, who have, who also haven't won in a while in the league. I can't remember if they've lost them all or or gotten some draws. But uh, but Chelsea's just tantalizingly low points for all the other fourth place wannabes. Um, but uh, it's been fun the last couple of matches, especially beating Liverpool so relatively soundly on the on the scoreline and uh, the resurgence, the reemergence of Marcus Alonso. I've always liked that that guy. Uh, I think he was I mean, he's a Spanish guy 
who played in Italy prior to Chelsea getting him like four or five years ago. And he was extremely effective in Conte's system um, when Antonio Conte went to a back three with two wing backs that are always getting forward. And he was super effective in that role. Um, he was still somewhat effective under Sarri and under Lampard. He got some got some time early on and then he hadn't scored since like November or something like that. Or maybe that's Giroud. So Giroud and, uh, and Marcus Alonso had been out of favor. Um, I think Marcus Alonso got a little more time. But yeah, in the last couple games, uh, he scored against uh, Tottenham. He scored against scored two against Bournemouth. Um, and Giroud is now the starting center forward because uh, Tammy Abraham, their younger English uh, guy that has like 12 or 14 in the league, maybe in the top, definitely the top 10, maybe the top five scorers in the league. He's had a lot of injury problems. So some of the, the guys that I've liked in historical, with history being like the last two or three years, uh, Chelsea players, Alonso and Giroud are finally getting some more time and they're proving effective. Chelsea is not dominant. Chelsea squanders possession. Chelsea fails to convert in, uh, in advantageous situations in the box. So Lampard is always lamenting that sort of what Americans would call killer instinct. I forget what the, uh, the English term for that is. Um, but still, fourth place, advancing an FA Cup. Um, they're probably dead in the Champions League, having uh, surrendered three home goals. So Bayern Munich has three away goal mm. advantage going back to, uh, to Munich. I can't, it's either this week or next week. But uh, this season has always been seen at least since, uh, since the transfer ban that was lifted and then Chelsea didn't sign anybody in the January transfer window. Since they switched managers again, they had a transfer ban for the summer. This was seen as sort of a lost season, but um, they are developing young talent. Um, so it's fun. It's fun, I guess, lowered expectations uh, while still getting enough results to be relevant in the league. Although in terms of winning the league, Liverpool's a runaway, but... Uh, the Bournemouth match was a lot of fun uh, with Marcus Alonso scoring to draw to get a draw. The hailstorms, the coastal English South English coast, uh, getting rainstorms and sun. So I'm enjoying it while also not expecting to win anything. What's the uh, what's your kind of opinion of how Lampard has been doing? Uh, I think Lampard. Uh, Lampard gets kudos because of lowered expectations. The team is very inconsistent. Lampard will talk about, yeah, we have to have more discipline. There was that match against Arsenal where I think they should have won. Arsenal's down to 10 men in like the 20th minute. And you can't blame it all on Lampard. But when your team are making mental errors, like you have an injured player, you get possession, you kick it out to get uh, at least treatment for the guy. But the Chelsea players think, oh, I have possession, and they're down to 10 men. I could, We might be able to score, and then they lose possession. And that eventually leads to them surrendering an equalizing goal to Hector Bellerin. They've had a 10-man advantage for like 70 minutes. It's, and so then Lampard gets looked at in a bad light, like you cannot, you're not coaching your players to make good decisions. He's definitely not being fired at the end of the season, though. He's a Chelsea legend. It's so strange because I'm, I'm strange. I watch classic Chelsea matches, uh, watching YouTube clips and all this other stuff. Lampard is still the guy 
that was playing on Chelsea when they were dominant not too long ago. And to see him be the relevant manager in the moment uh, seems quite accelerated to go from a world-class midfielder, you know, 2012, 13, um, to suddenly being managing one of the world's top clubs. It seems quick. I think he should be getting given a lot of runway to uh, because Chelsea's his, his team. Chelsea's where he, yeah, he came up in West Ham, uh, but he is a Chelsea legend. So it would be great and a great storyline for him to continue to manage Chelsea for, I mean, what's a long time at Chelsea? Three seasons is a long time at Chelsea. If he could become like an Alex Ferguson of Chelsea, that would be stupendous. He's not smoking. He's not smoking cigarettes or speaking Italian, so he'll he'll survive. <laughs> so yeah, he won't die of lung cancer. So yeah, it is interesting. Whenever anybody says anything about Chelsea being inconsistent and you know the usual kind of criticism, then somebody goes, "Wait a minute, they're fourth place, and nothing was really expected." They're always as expectations because you're Chelsea and you have a lot of talent. So the reality is, you know, Lampard's going to not really hear any criticism, if he, especially if he gets a Champions League spot. It seems like, boy, you know, how hard can this managing stuff be? <laughs> yeah, when Chelsea has a transfer ban, but they still have millions of dollars of world-class talent right. ready to deploy. I think Lampard gets criticism on a match-by-match basis of could have done this better, the team failed to execute in this like 10-minute span, but it then doesn't translate to like sorry had better results yeah. i think overall but his translated into he's really he doesn't work in the english system he right. hasn't bought the right players right. lampard can make match time 10 minute segment problems but it doesn't translate into he's lost control of the club where sorry was seen as just wasting their talent and wasting their time so he definitely has a whole this whole this whole campaign this whole season is He's, he's free of the higher level criticism. Yeah. Are you on any of the uh, chat rooms or blogs or Twitter feeds from Chelsea to, no, to see no. what people are I, feeling? No, not really. I read the professional coverage by actual British uh, press. I, I look sparingly at uh, comments on some of the, the articles, but only sparingly. I'm not yeah. on the hardcore uh, supporter yeah. club blogs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a cesspool. Oh, I'm, living, I'm living in the elevated uh, realm of <laughs> British press. Oh, oh, get down into the mud, Mark. By the way, I looked it up. They don't play. Chelsea does not play in the Champions League this coming week. They're in the very last wave of... Champions League. So this coming week, there are four games highlighted by Tottenham and uh, is playing PSG Dortmund is on Wednesday. Liverpool Atletico is also on Wednesday. They do that thing where they play at the exact same time. Chelsea will be playing the following Wednesday. So not until the 18th of March, but like you said, uh, probably not going to advance. So I have to wait. No, I have to wait till the 18th of March for the most dramatic comeback in Champions League history. <laughs> Four goals. Four away goals. Four away goals. It, it'll be like the, Mark, you'll be proud of me. I look, I actually was watching Champions League highlights from uh, Barcelona, major comeback from 2017. Yes, I was watching that live in downtown Portland 
And that's what's funny is Neymar is on Barcelona at that time. Yeah. Coming back against PSG. And one, I think it was like one year later, he's on PSG. Right. There you go. Yeah, that was the, they called it La, Rem, La Remontada. It's actually got a name because uh, they were down. Translate, translate. Uh, it's the come the comeback or the turnaround. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But they were down four nothing, and uh, yeah, and then then they gave up a, a goal, so they had to score six. So it was, was insane. It was I six. Was, I was there and couldn't believe it because they it was the second leg and they were already down big, and then they give away. Yeah, they were down four. I think Cavani. I think B- yes. PSG's Cavani scored. Yeah, and then. I think at one point it was like three goals in like seven minutes or something. Yeah, and they scored the winner, of course, in the 95th minute, the, you know, very last gasp. So it was crazy. Yeah. Every game was like that in America (laughs) would get behind soccer. Every game was like the most classic match ever. Yeah. That you gotta no, you gotta slog through the nil nil draws to get to the six one away goal. I don't know what it was, but well, I will, uh, transition briefly to uh women's soccer just because because that's going to be our regular topic and i have to admit you know i my uh, former boss sent me an alert about usa versus england playing yesterday and that is becoming a grudge match and then uh, i was working so i watched the highlights and it was really physical physical it's yeah it's like doesn't mean anything in any standing, right? No, it's it's a weird invitational tournament. My my boss here compared it to uh, like rugby, where they just they bring in in this case uh, four top women's teams. The USA brings three other teams in, uh, you know, national teams from usually from Europe. Uh, this year it's England, uh, Spain, and then they bring in Japan. So four teams. USA played uh, England in the set one one semi, and the other was Spain Japan, and uh, the U.S. It was a hard fought battle. It was zero zero at half. There was a lot of a lot of chances for the U.S. and sounded like maybe England was just being kind of kind of ugly. It seems like uh, England just being very physical, and uh, the U.S. You know, is just historically dominated almost everybody. And it's a rematch of the quarterfinals of last year's World Cup, where the U.S. barely won. And in this case, uh, Mark actually, or was it Ken or Mark, sent that clip of uh, Kristen Press hitting a beautiful 25-yard shot, uh, curling into the side of the net. I did it. I want credit for sending out a link of women's soccer <laughs> I, to not be. You, I, I, yeah, I, I even made that comment like, all right, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> to see that. And uh, of course, I had to say, oh, yeah, Kristen Price, Stanford graduate. So that was kind of cool. I think 25% of the national team at Stanford no, at all times. No, I assume. There's, there's, 35, 48. No, you're thinking of North Carolina. North Carolina. Oh, really? Yeah, North Carolina is the dominant women's soccer power, and they they produced an you know Mia Hamm, notably, but just a lot of players come out of that program. So University of Portland supposed to be big. Uh, that's where Megan Rapino went. Yeah, yeah. And Remember, we just had, we like Stanford. We being Portland, we just produce select talent. Where I guess the bulk of like the the mediocre talent comes from North Carolina or something. Except for Mia Hamm. She's the best. Yeah, right. Like Mia Hamm. Um, yeah, she's, she's okay. She's okay. 
speaking of Rapino, she came off the bench. It's almost like she's becoming a little more of a super sub. And I don't know if that, you know, the USA traditionally just has so much talent and so many good young players that, you know, somebody like Rapino, who I think is like 34 years old, is starting to get towards the end. But but just to give you guys a, a, a preview, so the U.S. will play Spain on Sunday for the championship of the, of the uh, She Believes Cup. I might watch that. But the big deal is this year, the 2020 Olympics. The women's uh, Olympics plays the best players in the world, unlike the men where they play the under-23s because, of course, the World Cup doesn't want the competition and other competitions either that, you know, so they... It's interesting. The women always place more value on the Olympics, and no team has ever won the uh, Women's World Cup and then the following year went and won a gold medal in the Olympics because, of course, the way the, the calendar is set up, it's always the following summer. And so the U.S. will attempt to become the first team to do that this summer in Tokyo if the Olympic Games are not canceled. If they have it. <laughs> the coronavirus, which apparently is, there are rumors, uh, it starts on July 24th. So stay tuned on that. But uh, the U.S. Uh, women are a favorite uh, there. And even though they have a new coach, by the way, I don't know if you guys knew that the former coach of the Seattle Reign Women's Soccer Club, the pro team in Seattle, was elevated to uh, head coach of the USA women's national team. So he's from like Macedonia. Very interesting story. And uh, so far so good for him. And apparently everybody really thinks he's a, he's a, a really great hire. And uh, so we'll see how he does with this team in the, in the Olympics, should they happen. I heard that certain of the women on the team were, were asking for him and, uh, Jill Ellis was kind of on the outs with a lot of the players. There is a rumor. I'll just throw that out there. She is actually from England. Jill Ellis was, I think, born in England and then moved to the United States as a teenager. So apparently England has struggled since the World Cup. And they're already like, hey, maybe Jill Ellis will come out of retirement or, you know, end up the coach for, for England, which would be great to see that her coach against the U.S. and go against her former players. So I have on our, our topic list the impact of the coronavirus on world football, but we, we sort of talked about that, unless you guys have any other. The impact on your world football, yes. Dave's personal impact. Uh, well, and I, I had no solid plans of going to see uh, football in Europe, although I was planning, I was tentatively planning a trip to Europe in May. But if you were in Europe in enough countries, you would probably stumble into a football match. You know, you would hope, right? I would make time and look it up. And I mean, my, my friend Mike is an Atletico fan, and so I don't know if they would still be playing in May. But my friend is, lives near Milan. She's moving to Milan, has been hard hit by the virus, and it just seemed like a bad time to go to Europe. So I didn't know that Spain had been – well, I – Obviously, probably most places. So Milan, Spain Italy. has hit him. Oh, Milan, Milan, Italy. Well, he has yeah, one in. Yeah. Does Mike live in Madrid? Mike lives in Madrid. Madrid, and then my. Other but you have another friend in Milan. In Milan, and then my daughter in Germany. Who knows where we'll be in two months? I mean, this was May. I was thinking, and I, I still hope to go. I hope to go maybe this fall. At this point, Ken, did you did you have a, a darts update for us? Because I know you. <laughs> 
Wait, 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 wait. You need a more dramatic uh, segue okay. into darts. There's probably like lead-in music. It's like a res- world wrestling match, something like that. Okay, bring it on, Mark. Well, if you have if you have never watched a darts match on ESPN, you would blown <laughs> if, away. If you've never it is watched, like, it is like that be the presumption something that you've never between watched? the circus and WWE. Yes. It's in, it's it's absolutely insane. These guys come marching out of the tunnel, surrounded by showgirls with their own walk-up music, and they're all tatted out, and they're they, and they look like they're crowds. wearing. They look like wearing shirt, like bowling shirt. They look like it's, when I look yes. at a still from, they look like they should be bowling. Is it roughly equivalent to bowling? Well, you know, they're all sponsored, so they have all their the famous dart sponsors on their shirts. It's oh, like, the famous dart sponsors, <laughs> as opposed to the less famous. As dart as opposed to wandering around in the backwater of the dart leagues. Do you enjoy insane watching the actual dart darting of sport? Yes, there's two parts. Do you just enjoy? The spectacle. The spectacle. <laughs> the spectacle is fascinating because it is like in a big hall and people are drunk. Where, where European do have to go, dudes. Where do have to go to watch a so live So the Netherlands and England are both the, the, okay. are the world powers of darts. And you could buy a ticket to see, or do you just show yeah. up at a bar and people are doing oh, darts? No, no. Well, no. This this there's is a, a big. This no is stadium. a premier league oh of gosh. darts. And the most fascinating thing is the guy that is announcing it. Is so quick on the math, it's unbelievable how quick he can do the math as to because you're counting down right, from right, 501. Right. So, the guy's throwing like he throws three darts and he's like right on that number every time. And I don't think he's, I think he's just doing it in his head. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. It, I, I know what you're talking down. about. So, like, so dart, darts, so There's darts, you start at 501. You start at I don't. I don't. <laughs> Both players started five hundred and one. That's and then they that throw. That doesn't make and, any sense. So a, a, a dartboard is 2019, 18, all around. I, Are you familiar with the configuration yeah, I've seen of that one? With we, like wedges of a pie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So twenty is at the top, and then it moves. It moves around, and it's not but exactly twenty nineteen. But then there's also the bullseye stuff. Is bullseye, that... the middle the middle bullseye is 50, the okay. outer bullseye is 25. But you're counting down. So, oh, right. so as you, you want to get to zero, uh... you're counting down to zero. So you I start at 501, you throw the darts, and they, and they subtract every time. So the guy is doing quick math, subtracting mm. 20s and 19s and whatever <laughs> down all the way to zero. And you have to quick end. Math being subtraction. Sometimes math implies yeah, but but Mark Mark understands subtraction. There's there's like doubles. They're not doing they're not doing linear algebra. <laughs> there, there's all kinds but of combinations typical that, American that mentally that. you have to say, oh, now he needs a double eleven. Is it like bowling, where when you get a spare and a strike, and no. it carries over, and you get no. like your no, oh, no, no. But what happens is they 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 count down, but you have to end in a double. What is a double? So there's an outer there's a there's the an outer, a there's a very small outer ring around the whole outside. Yes. So if you get in that outter ring, you're a double of whatever wedge oh. that you shoot into. And you have to end. And you have to end a double. So you want to set yourself up and you have to know where the, which double to go for at the very end to make zero, to mm. zero yourself out from 501. Where, I'm, I'm getting so we're a, going I'm, to England? I'm getting a dartboard. We're going to, oh, we're going to Murphy's. Murphy's. Oh, I remember they had that little lane. Yeah, they have a dartboard down yeah. in Murphy's. Yeah. We could throw darts. Yeah, but um, put the kids to bed. Let's go to Murphy's. But you know, I I go through the various ESPN channels and I see darts and I have seen 
uh, the World Cornhole Championships, <laughs> which is, which is, and they and it's usually like some father and son team, and it is so like is, the worst thing is in the world. Purely American. Yeah. Oh, cornhole. You know cornhole. Is. I know what it is. I'm hoping it's there's an actual the rest professional cornhole league. Yeah. Now I like these weird fringe. I like these weird fringe sports where every yeah. day, every day Joe can play True. dodgeball not, or he can get into a cornhole a supreme, league or he can throw darts. And there's you no don't, supreme athletic. There's no supreme no athleticism. Ten, yeah. so with it. Skill. Pickleball. I played pickleball the other day. Very much the same. <laughs> pickleball. That's another good one. Okay. I, I should I should take on your your approach since I try <laughs> I keep trying to play soccer with no endurance talent ability. Mark, you've never really played on a soccer team, and as an adult. As an adult, I have now. Oh. But are you playing? So last year I played. Right now, I just restarted. Um, I played two seasons, spring and summer, last year at a indoor soccer complex that I got introduced to through my now eight-year-old son taking soccer classes there. And they're like, hey, we have men's co-ed. We have a co-ed league and a men's league. Played in it last year. Took time off. I didn't sign up for the fall league. And then I skipped all the way until just two weeks ago, they restarted. Um, and I signed up again to resume playing in the house team where you can form your own team. Essentially, if you know a group of people that want to play and you go, I like these people want to play. House team is I'm a person by myself. I want to play. And they throw all of the individuals that want to play onto one team. So you have no idea of anybody's skill level. You don't know, but we're all equally interested, semi-skilled. People had played in high school. Some people had played in college. I played when I was nine. Um, but you have no idea what people are good at and you have no practice. You literally are just showing up to play a game. And yeah, last game we lost five to 11, but it's fun. I have a great mental grasp of strategy. (laughs) And then when you try to enact that, you try to make that happen in physical movement (laughs) amongst, amongst people that have no idea what the other person is doing. It's an interesting experience. Uh, It's a humbling experience, but I will say my highlight from the first two seasons, which I guess is about two months worth of once a week matches. I actually used some world football watching knowledge. I did what's called a dummy. Nice. Um, it sounds terrible. And it's actually a good thing. My favorite instance of a dummy is uh, um, in Belgium's match against Japan. Yeah. In the 2018 remember World I Cup. Remember that dummy? That was. Well. Yeah, they were down 2 0. They ended up winning 3 2. Their yeah. score, their goal in extra time to win the whole match and advance in the Lukaku. world's most important. Lukaku. Lukaku did a dummy. Yep. Center forward, immense quality. Yep. Comes up to meet a ball at the top of the box, and the whole defense descends upon him as he's meeting the ball, expecting him. He's going to touch the ball. He's going to try to handle the ball with his feet and then score. So everyone attacks him, and he just approaches the ball and then lets it go. And I did the almost exact move last summer where I was at the top of the box and like I just approached the ball, defense collapses on me, and this is only five-a-side soccer in an indoor stadium that's 
big enough to make me exhausted, but small enough to make it so you only need five on each side. Um, yeah, I approached the ball and just let it go between my legs right to a guy on my team that was running down the other side and easy open goal. So that was the highlight of my very amateur soccer career. So that's a bit of coordination with him, though. He had to kind of and that was the, feel that's kind of yeah, that but it was happen. feel. We had never practiced. We had no idea. It's a pickup game. It's just yeah, a pickup game. Pickup game where I could do that in basketball, which I have experience in. But in soccer, I have so many touches where the ball's coming at me hard, and I need to cushion the ball, and I just just flies off. Of <laughs> yeah, the poor because I don't touch. practice. Yeah, <laughs> I have a horrible first touch. Just a leaden wall that's just banging it right back to the other team. Uh, that's funny. I suggest you take up darts, Mark, because there's there's very little I, practice required in that other than getting a dartboard at yeah, home. Yeah, I think when you say just go to a bar, I'm like, I'm halfway to being a <laughs> professional darts player. <laughs> well, guys, I think that's where I jump off. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, I guess. Um, this, I'm glad you guys got together. That was cool. You did a little Dre memory lane trip. We didn't really talk about that, but... Yeah, I'll I'll use the maybe the the shot I'll use for the the podcast uh, sort of cover photo. Good. Well, I'm glad you guys got together. That was cool. Thanks for hosting, Ken. Yeah, no problem. Next time, Portland. Next Portland. Time Portland. Road show in Portland.